right, thank you for tuning in to Jackman Radio. I am one of your hosts, Eric Jackman. And I'm Michael Jackman. And as always, who else do we have? Ricky Gray. Who's on that third mic? How's it going, guys? Oh, so good. Good to be back here. Very well. How's your week going? It's good. It's uh, it's cold as fuck out there, man, this week. Not the days you want to forget your coat, but... Um, what did it get down to, like, 10 degrees? It was single digits the other night. It's been consistently, like, 22, and I feel like it's been snowing every day for the last week. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was about 7 when I got up this morning. It's funny because uh, most of my team for work's in Texas, and they're posting all these winter advisories, and they're like, oh, it's going to be in the single digits on Monday. I'm like, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. Cute. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, we're getting an inch of snow down here in Virginia. Well, they, they had a freezing, freezing rain warning. I don't know what they're doing down there, man. Are but they? like when they get tornado warnings, they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we're yeah. going to a super spreader event. <laughs> it's exactly. A super spreader, yeah. So today is February 10th, 2021. And uh, there's always all kinds of shit going on. But before we start into topics and stuff, we do want to thank, we have some new patrons. And our patrons are our dedicated, passionate listeners and supporters. And I just want to say I love you guys. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate the support. And it helps us do this podcast, and we're going to you know, start booking guests and looking into possibly flying people to New Hampshire or going to places to do recordings and stuff. And obviously that costs money. So we're just asking people for five bucks a month, if you like what we do, um, to keep us going and to keep growing and to dedicate more of our time and energy and effort to this. So um, you know, our first new patron I want to give a shout out to is Crystal. Um, you're awesome, Crystal. Thank you so much. Thank you. We really appreciate it. And uh, we also had um, uh, Mike Wozmack sign up, uh, who happens to be the bass player in my band. But thank you very much, Mike. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And then our beloved cousin, Brian Patrick, um, up in Maine, who's a uh, nurse up there. Thank you, Patrick, for being a nurse in general, but especially during the illegal Kung Flu China virus. Yeah, Brian actually works in the COVID wing of a hospital. Yeah, up in Maine. So, Brian, God bless you. You got to put on the whole uh, Dustin Hoffman outbreak <laughs> yeah. outfit to go in there with the monkey, you know, make sure the monkey doesn't bite you, you know? Yeah, the monkey doesn't spread it and fling his monkey mustard at you. Yeah, so thank you, Brian. And Brian's also uh, one of the most talented musicians I've ever known and, and actually had the pleasure of performing with a couple times. He knows every single Rolling Stones song on guitar. Yeah, he does. Um, What's his nickname, Mike? Be- beautiful man. Uh, we just call him Patrick. Patrick, but then Brian Guitarsonal. Yeah, on Guitarsonal. Uh, on Guitarsonal. You guys should move to Portland. Yeah, and every time we go visit him, he, he's always like, you should move to Portland. You guys should move up to Portland. And then when he comes down to New Hampshire, I'm like, you should move to Peterborough. <laughs> so we love you, Brian. Thank you so much. And then our uh, uh, last new patron is my buddy Brian McClure, who I grew up playing ice hockey with in uh, Winchington. He was, our, he was your goalie. He was our goalie, yeah. So, Brian, thanks, man, for the support. We love you. Um, and Brian, we love our veterans. We, lo- we do love our veterans. Brian's uh, currently, I believe, serving in the Air Force. He's been deployed overseas. He's a great guy. He's got a beautiful family, and we love him. We do. We love you, Brian. God bless you. Yeah, thanks Great for the support. Stuff. Winchett yeah. and Wolves forever, too, I might also add. Some of the, my best memories growing up was playing hockey, town league hockey in Winchenden because we didn't have anything in – like Jaffrey or Ringe, and of course, Kona High School didn't have a hockey team. So really, your only option was to go over and play either in Keene or Winchenden. I wasn't going to Keene. It's too far away. That was like a Mighty Duck scenario when Banks joins the team. Yeah. At first, I don't want them. <laughs> then they grow to love them, and they're inseparable. Cake eater. <laughs> yeah, they're actually doing a Mighty Ducks reboot uh, for Disney+. Plus. 
Yep. D- I mean, Disney Plus is killing it. Have you seen? You watched the trailer? Yeah, yeah. I did watch the trailer. We got Emilio. Emilio looks good. He shows up. He's the freaking Zamboni driver. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like Benjamin Button. He's getting better uh, and younger with age. Yeah, well, you know, well, he's, he's better looking than Charlie at this he's point. The, uh, he's the Estevez who didn't get uh, you know HIV from a trainee in a crack pipe. <laughs> a winning. Yeah, winning. A winning. No, it's great. I, the trailer's good. You know, uh, they got Bombay in there. They got things kind of, you know, folded and shadowed and tucked. And, you know, you, you got to know there's going to be some cameos of the classic characters coming back, I bet. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I think we talked about this before uh, about Goldberg. But, yeah, we do, you did mention him last time. But I'm psyched. I think Goldberg will be. Goldberg, They'll, they'll yeah. bring Goldberg back. He was sober, been sober a year. Uh, right, Ricky? You were saying a year. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. touched that. A yeah, we, yeah we t- okay, we talked about that last time. So, if you do um, want to become a patron of Jackman Radio and just help us keep growing this thing and you know dedicating more time and, and everything to it, you can go to Patreon.com/slash Jackman Radio, and um, we're just asking people for five bucks a month, a cup of coffee, you know, and um, we really appreciate it. And please follow us on uh, social media. We're on Facebook at Jackman Radio, Twitter at Jackman Radio, and I uh, got an Instagram page. That's Jackman Radio, and I'm on there every day, so come in there and say hi. And we have all of our interviews on the uh, YouTube channel as well under Jackman Radio. Um, We have interviews on there with, uh, you know, Tulsi Gabbard, uh, former governor of South Carolina, Mark Sanford, um, Andrew Yang, who is in the lead right now in the race for the uh, mayor of New York City. Yang gang, baby. That's pretty cool to see that, huh? I know, dude, right? He really blew up, and when Mike and I had him on the podcast, that was a week before he did Joe Rogan. So that was like early February of 2019. It's like two years ago this week. Two years ago. Jesus. And um, he did Jackman Radio and we put it out before he did Rogan. And uh, I think that's our video that has the most views. Yeah, I think, we're close, to, 30, I think we're close to 30,000. Organic views. Or, yeah, views on that. And, and, and if you're on YouTube, definitely please subscribe and hit that notification button on YouTube. We want to get those subs up and um, eventually start live streaming our podcast here and get a video um, element of that going. So we definitely appreciate going on there and doing that. But yeah, Andrew Yang was a great guy to talk to. So how's he doing in New York, Mike, with that election? He's running for mayor. Yeah, he's running for mayor. I believe he's at, uh, I sent you the article, I think he's at 28% um, in the polls. Um, He's against, you know, I think if there's like maybe nine or 10 other people that he's running against that could be considered serious contenders. Um, But he's, uh, he's ahead right now. He's got a pretty, you know, steady lead. And he's got the highest name recognition, right. um, you know, probably the most media coverage. He's already got the endorsement, I believe, of a sitting member of Congress from New York. Yeah, it says Andrew Yang commands a double-digit lead in the Democratic primary for mayor with his closest rivals, Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams and Comptroller Scott Stringer, trailing by more than 10% each, a new poll released early Wednesday morning revealed. Yeah, he's up, he's up 11% as of... Uh, yeah, today, yeah. this morning. Yeah, it said Yang, an entrepreneur, would win 28% of votes, with Adams projected to win 17, and Stringer getting 13. So, I mean, it's early. Well, when's the vote? June or something? Is it June? Probably this summer. But, yeah, he comes into the race with uh, money advantage, name recognition, and um, he really exceeded expectations in that um, 2020 primary. Yeah, and whether you agree with him or not, I think his universal basic income idea and some of the um, positions that he's putting out there, you know, people are responding to it, especially yeah. in, at a time in New York City where, you know, de Blasio is a goofball. No one, li- nobody, no one likes... Nobody wants de Blasio. Say, say you can't be worse than him. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Pro- seriously. That is, that's clown world. Our cousins in New York City hate de Blasio. Oh, they hate him. He's just like, I mean, him and his wife, do you want to talk about out of touch? I think, I think a lot of people in New York City aren't fond of <laughs> I don't think they liked him too much here in New Hampshire either. 
No, no. yeah. He wanted to run for president. And what, what did your cousin say when he told him he was coming to New Hampshire to campaign? He said, <laughs> send him a message. Tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> tell, him you, tell him your cousin from Staten Island said go fuck himself. <laughs> I, I love my cousins in Staten Island, by the way. Shout out to all the cousins there, all the Farrells. I love you guys. The Gatanis. Great, Woods. great people. Jackie Woods in Brooklyn, who we're going to be seeing soon. We're going. Uh, yeah, we're actually visiting uh, New York City for the first time. I haven't been in pff, over five years. Yeah, it's been a while since you've so, been there. Yeah, I mean, we've had our friends from New York City and family visit. You know, since the pandemic broke out, everyone's safe about it. You know, people are testing. Everyone's wearing the mask for all the travel. So, right. Don't worry, we're not being. You know, it's not like we're. Not I'm not going to go lick fucking doorknobs in Chinatown. Yeah. Actually, I think the cases. They just had a uh, released a number for New York. Yep, that they're going down. Well, that's good. I hope I just so. saw a number about that. Like Cuomo, Cuomo's getting it down. I'm gonna kill my grandma. Only Rosie O'Donnell. So there was a uh, um, a vote yesterday in the Senate, uh, and they ended up saying yes for the impeachment trial, and it kicked off today in a big way. And they're looking at evidence, you know, they're calling witnesses, and how do you think it's going? I mean, I, I'll be honest, I haven't been following in that closely, uh, you know, just beyond the headlines on Twitter. But uh, early on, after the um, <laughs> the storming of the Capitol happened, I was like, oh, Trump is definitely getting impeached, and I think the Senate's going to turn on him. Because McConnell was, was, like, pretty hot early on with that. But now, not so much, man. I, I think that uh, Trump is... You're going to see some Republicans like your Sassies and Romney and Murkowski and um, Collins, from Maine. Collins from Maine. and uh, this They're all traitors. They're all traitors. They're terrible people. We've identified the traitors. Uh, Q is coming and he's going to execute all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's going to be incredible. God. We're going to live stream it from Mar-a-Lago because membership is down. Okay, they went from 300,000 to 100,000 to people leaving in droves. <laughs> they don't want them to live there either. Yeah, the, the neighbors down at Mar-a-Lago are trying to get the king out of there. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. He's got, was, he's got things put into place where... Um, there was something from 92 or 93. If you're a they, member, you can live there. So, like, technically, he's not the owner. Well, no, if you're staff. Oh, staff. Yeah, if, you're, <laughs> if you're an employee. Yeah, I clean the pool. Yeah, I do. I do all the maid service. I do turn down service for Ivanka. <laughs> I make, sure, I make sure, you know, the pillows are nice and fluffy. When I, Jeffrey Epstein was visiting, I made sure that I gave him a nice tour took of the locker rooms. We took great care of Jeffrey Epstein. He was a VIP, very important pedophile. And we had Ghislaine Maxwell down there looking Ghislaine. at things. I never met her. A lot of, I wish her well. Well, this, yeah, this Politico piece says, Trump plans a reemergence in some retribution after impeachment. Oh, yeah. The former president is, is confident both of his acquittal and he'll come out of the trial with an iron grip on the GOP. They could probably do a good fundraiser out of it, too. Oh, he's raising so Wait, much didn't money. He, didn't he raise tens of millions for... Um, Stop the steal. ...to look at the election fraud? And he, he basically didn't... Stop the steal. What did he use, like a, like a couple hundred grand of it to deploy Rudy to a parking lot somewhere? Yeah, and, to buy KFC. And they're not really... Uh, they didn't really do much with that. And, they, yeah. and he can use that money for... Oh, it's so going to be his legal fees. Yeah. He's going to be tied up in fucking court and... Legal, you know, the Southern District of New York. It's so do you, do you think that they're going to try to strip him of his um, pension and, uh, you know, of the, a chance for him to run again? Or do you, do you think it's just... It, I don't, yeah, it, it, I think it really depends what McConnell says in the next couple of days. Because you, you'll have those six or so um, Republicans who will probably vote with the Democrats and vote to convict him. 
But if you can't get beyond them, you're you're not going to see. Well, I mean, those six Republicans joined the 50 Democratic senators to move forward, so you'd imagine they're going to vote against them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, at least those six. But they have to get almost another 10 more, right, to convict? Um, the yeah, they, they need 17. Yeah. yeah. So, so, I mean, who would those be, you know? Those are good. Like little, little Marco and Lion Ted? <laughs> well, you got to know that those senators are looking out for 2022 and 24. So yeah. if they go against the king, MAGA world is going to – they're not going to forget about that. So Yeah, it's not going to be good. No. I think a lot of these senators are just more concerned about their political futures yeah, than they, they are about doing what they believe in. They don't in give a shit right what thing. happened. They yeah. would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> See his head there, Mike. Impeachment minefield awaits 2024 GOP field. The next week will offer the clearest window yet into the top contenders' assessment of the party's post-Trump landscape. Right. So, you know, Cotton is going to be looking at yeah. things. Cruz, Rubio, Mike Pence. I mean, he's obviously he's no longer an Josh Hawley. He's, he's a private citizen now, but uh, they're all hedging their bets. I mean, right. it's not too early to start talking about 2024. Right. And what about Lindsey Graham? I'm going to bring my sister as the first lady if I win. Oh, God. Someone's got to... We're going to have a nice tea with the mint julep. Mint julep. But, I mean, he's giving them hell down at Mar-a-Lago, dude, as king in exile. Like, he has a $15,000 helipad <laughs> that they outfitted for the for the king's chopper to land, and now they're going to get rid of it. It's going to cost fifteen grand, Eric, just to, like, get rid of it. You want to talk inconvenient? He's so inconvenient. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. The, na- the neighbors don't want him, Mike, do they? No. I, 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 they liked me when I was a Democrat. Oh. <sighs> You like me when you were coming over here having parties. He's everything. He got like the Mike Love version of the Beach Boys to show up and perform with Vanilla Ice. I know, Mike. Don Jr.'s there probably, you know, just having a great time all coked out with a gargoyle go foil. Yeah, Kim, Kim Gargoyle. I love it, dude. I live for it. Yeah, we we're, do. We're here for it. Who we are going to invite pretty soon, you're going to see it pretty soon, is Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's going to be coming down. She's coming to Mar-a-Lago and we're going to have a great time. Yeah, so it says here in political, it's almost certain that Democrats will not find the 17 Republican votes necessary to convict Trump after all but five Republican senators, Ben Sasse, Mitt Romney, Pat Toomey, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski voted to declare the impeachment trial unconstitutional. So yeah, it's, it's, we're not going to 17. I mean, yeah, I don't know, man, that, that, unless the, the establishment really decides to come together, like, you know, a lot of the neocons and the centrist Democrats did to go against him. Like, you know, William Crystal raising millions of dollars, uh, the Lincoln, Lincoln Republican, all those freaks raising all that money. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I still think he has millions and millions of supporters no matter what happens. And that's a that's a powerful, um, you know, perch that he has. Right. So he, he could segue it into another run or he could just become like a roving. Well, my only fans, a permanent roving MAGA circus that just, you know, goes on the never ending tour like Bob Dylan. I know, Mike. And just, just grifts and graphs, millions well, people, do. People, yeah, people still give him money. Oh, <laughs> dude. Him. Dude, people are foaming at the bits to figure out what his um, next thing will be. If he, like, starts the Trump channel or uh, Trump Patriot Party News Network or the Patriot Party Network, something. It's, it's, it's going to be phenomenal, and we'll all be here for it. And we're seeing Biden actually continue a lot of major things that Trump was doing. He's just being less outrageous about it, um, especially with foreign policy. There, there is some nuance with this Yemen thing. Um, of course, Biden's saying publicly how he wants to draw down. He wants to not be offensive and in having supporting Saudi Arabia so much with it. Because initially, 2014, 2015, Saudi Arabia told the Obama and Biden administration, um, yeah, our southern border, we're, we're, we're doing this thing with Yemen, whether you support us or not. So obviously the United States had to deal with that, with Saudi Arabia being one of our biggest, you know, quote-unquote allies in the Middle East. But uh, 
I don't know. I, I don't really see a huge change with Yemen. I mean, I, there's a lot of posturing. There's a lot of rhetoric being thrown out there. Do you guys think that anything's really going to come of it that, that's going to be a significant change? I, I don't know. The, my, my big thing is, you know, I gave him kudos last week because he came out and said, hey, we're going to stop funding the Saudis in what you're doing. Um, but at the same time, one of my really good friends, his brother-in-law, just got deployed on Sundays, going to training, and then they're sending him to Qatar and then to the Yemen-Saudi border. Oh. Yeah. So what's really going on? I think it's a, a lot of lip service, and they're you know splitting hairs, saying we're going to stop sending certain equipment and sending certain aid, not like all. And uh, more than 233,000 people have died since it started in 2014, and um, you know it's intelligence sharing, logistical support, targeting information, and bombs. And um, it's just been awful. And then, you know, obviously Trump amped this up tenfold. The U.S. sold billions of dollars worth of weapons to the Saudis, um, you know, from Raytheon and other defense contractors and, and companies here in America. So it's very lucrative for those people who elect all these leaders and, and was politicians. Was that when the king went over there with the sword? He was waving the sword around? He did yeah. the thing with the Dragon Ball Z orb? Yeah, when he, he was like, <laughs> yeah, he put his hand on the orb. I mean, that was incredible when he did that. But um, was so good. Well, then he brought he brought MBS, Muhammad Bonesaw, toward America and did the charm offensive. Oh, yeah. Where he, yeah went, he, he, like, he, like, paraded him around the country. Yeah, he went, like, all around the country, home, and he met with, like, uh, heads of Google and all, like, big tech companies, right. and they put a suit on him. You know, they, they, they gussied him up a little. They bit. gussied him up a little and made him a little more like you know appropriate. Yeah, you know he wasn't he wasn't free balling in his uh, usual garb, and uh, that was before, of course, he had uh, Khashoggi killed. But um, yeah, it's just you know they got the oil, and uh, you know we need we need to sell them uh, military hardware. But I don't know. I mean, I want to. I would like to see Biden do more um, with this. I, I guess we have to see how it plays out, but. Ultimately, yeah. my, my hopes are not that high. I'm not. I'm not either. This is the third administration in a row that's giving them funding. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, right. and not to mention Afghanistan. Uh, twenty, almost twenty years in Afghanistan. Um, I don't think you're going to see. What, what did Trump say? He either took a thousand troops out or he was going to move a thousand troops. So Trump didn't do anything significant with Afghanistan. If anything, he took off some of the, some of the, uh, um, restraints in in bombings and and. Uh, you know, our engagement over there. And I think if you look at Obama and Biden's foreign policy during Afghanistan, you're going to see a lot of the same thing under, you know, Biden's current administration. Um, you know, you look at, certainly look at the people he's bringing into his cabinet. Uh, Neera Tandon's, I think she can, I don't know if she's confirmed yet or she's going They're to doing be it right now. It's in the process for right a, now. A position, what? Uh, OMB. Uh, isn't that director of OMB? You know, and she was saying that, I think it was Syria, if you, if you remember the WikiLeaks, uh, the leak that came out. There's one with Neera Tandon talking about talking how, about Libya. Oh, Libya. How? Yeah, with Gaddafi. How? How we, they? We should. Um, they should pay us, you know, to be over in their country. Yeah. Basically, know? we can go over there and raid them and take whatever we want. So I guess my question for you guys is: What's more dangerous, being in the Middle East or being a participant and bystander at a gender reveal or baby shower in America these days? The, those deaths are up, man. Did you hear about that <laughs> cannon that went off at the at the baby shower? Where was that? Like Chicago or something? Or by Florida? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Me. Evan Thomas Sil Silverman, twenty six, was killed in Heartland, Michigan, on February seventh. Oh, Michigan. After a cannon fired at a baby shower exploded and sent shrapnel into the crowd. 
I mean, this is just getting more and more outrageous. I mean, Ricky, when, when you guys did your gender reveal for, for Little Man, you, you had an exploding golf ball. Yeah, I hit a right? golf ball. Yep. Yeah. Nobody got That's killed. Safe. Grandma didn't get killed, no, right? Not, like blowing shit up. <laughs> Dude, there was one that happened where they, they literally created a pipe bomb and it blew up the baby's grandmother. <laughs> so the baby didn't even get to meet the grandmother because at the baby's reveal party, the, the grandmother got fucking... Did they did got, they name the baby Ted Kaczynski in honor? Yeah. <laughs> honor the of the Unabomber, bomber. the baby bomber. You know, then you have another one where, where this pilot was like flying with like, uh, you know, liquid that was colored blue because the baby was going to be a boy and uh, the plane stalled. <laughs> Ooh, really? <laughs> the thing crashed. I think the pilot survived. But you're seeing uh, gender reveal parties and, and uh, you know, uh, baby shower parties are, are, yeah, they're dangerous. Yeah, so it says a Michigan couple tied balloons to the mailbox and set out a chalkboard with a hand-drawn sign announcing their baby shower on Saturday. To mark the occasion, the expectant parents in Gaines Township, Michigan, fired a celebratory cannon as the small party stood outside in the snow in the backyard. But the plan went horribly wrong when the gunpowder inside the cannon exploded, fracturing its metal frame and launching shrapnel into the air. This is like a uh, Brandon Lee Crow scenario. Yeah, that's insane. One piece of cannon flew about 10 to 15 feet and struck 26-year-old Evan Thomas Silva in the chest, seriously injuring him. Michigan State Police said, The man who was a friend of the host later died at Hurley Medical Center in nearby Flint, Michigan. That's like, sad. Like, how bad would you feel after that? Oh, like dude. That, that's insane. Dude, you're like, you're the parents of this and you hosted it and invited everyone out. You just like killed your best and, friend. And even in the age of COVID, hum, you said to him, no, no, dude, we're going to be extra safe, man. We got masks, hand sanitizers. It's going to be fine. But we're also firing off a fucking rocket. There's like, there's like a propane grill right behind the sign, too. Mike, that's outrageous. Oh, that's that's oh, sad, what? dude. That is really that's sad. That's such a fucking bummer, man. Yeah. I'm um. So any any of my friends who are listeners, if you're having babies and, you, and you're doing one of these things, I, I think I've been to one of them. We went to Hinkley's. We'll Zoom call it. We'll, we'll yeah. show up on Zoom. We'll Zoom it and give me your Venmo information and I'll send you some fucking money because uh, I don't want to get blown up at a gender reveal just party. Just like cut a piece of cake or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> everyone, everyone's just got to get so like creative for their stupid TikTok or whatever it is. Right. It's not even Farcebook anymore. It's TikTok. So it's gone from a one to a three minute attention span to like one to ten seconds. Yeah. TikTok, that's like 10 seconds or less, right? I don't know. Yeah, don't, they're usually under like 40 know. seconds. I don't have TikTok. I'm not ever getting on TikTok. I don't, I don't really understand it because it's like the same people doing the same thing, but like their own way. It's like stupid dance moves or something. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a new TikTok trend. I'm like, it's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'll point out this wasn't a gender reveal. This was a um, baby was a shower. Baby shower. But it says same idea. It mirrored the, the the incident mirrored similar ill-fated events that have turned deadly and even started devastating wildfires. Oh yeah, out in California, oh, yeah. it was, yeah, what was dude. It, like three thousand acres or something. Or? Dude, it said um, it no, like, no, no, no. Last summer, a couple setting off a smoke bomb to reveal their baby's gender ignited wild grasses inside El Dorado Ranch Park in Southern California, starting a fire that burned for more than a month and scorched twenty-two thousand seven hundred and forty-four acres. <laughs> Incredible. The second it was the second fire started the gender reveal party in 2020. Now they're like, how are we going to top that with the second kid? Yeah, we need yeah. to fucking blow some we dude need to up. Get a nuke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're gonna okay. Like, what do you th- like? Is he responsible? Like, does he have right. to be arrested? Like, how much money is that? Right, that's true, hum. I don't know how, what, how that would work. Um, in Iowa, <laughs> oh Jesus, Mike, you weren't kidding. In Iowa, a family accidentally built a pipe bomb in an attempt to set off a blue or pink flash in October of 2019. Wait, wait, well, hold yep. on a second. Did it say accidentally built? Ax- yeah. Yep. This is the Washington Post, Tom. How do you accidentally <laughs> build a pipe bomb? 
I don't know. Ask ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally built a pipe bomb. We shouldn't be laughing, but you know what? Fuck it, man. Uh, da- hashtag Darwinism. Um, actually built a pipe bomb in an attempt to set off a blue or pink flash in October of 19. When the bomb exploded, a piece of shrapnel struck the baby's grandmother, killing her instantly. Good. Jesus. God. Dude, they killed grandma instantly. Another, and this is another one, Mike. The gender, gender reveal party that year led to a plane crash. Oh, yeah, yeah, the plane crash, yeah. When a pilot intending to drop 350 <laughs> gallons of pink water flew too slowly and stalled the plane. The pilot was unharmed and the passenger suffered minor injuries. <laughs> okay, so they didn't die. We can laugh at that one. Oh, but my that is, God. I mean, come on. Like, look, look, they survived COVID to make it to, okay, we, no risk, shit. we risk COVID to make it to your stupid fucking party. Right. And now you're going to, you know, blow this shit up and, and potentially kill one of us. Oh. Come on. Oh. It's like a, I don't know, it's it's like a party Marilyn Manson would, would be having in his, like, Do you think they still chalked it up as a COVID death? <laughs> They did call it as a COVID death. Yeah. Explosive COVID death. Yeah, they tested him after the fact. He did. Uh, he, they, they were positive. They did an anal swab. They had, yeah, they had the Chinese anal swab. Chinese anal swab. We have samples at the mall for they, the Chinese anal swab. If he wore two masks, he wouldn't have died. Ah, would have saved him, Mike. Good. Oh, God. Oh, rest, rest in peace to all of you. We're sorry. We're sorry to everybody, but but that is... I, 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 where did all this shit start with people blowing shit up Well, that's for, like people who are taking selfies or dangerous photos on ledges that fall off and die. It's kind of a similar thing. Yeah. And it's like Ricky was saying, it's like it's for social media and attention. Like, right. You know? You wouldn't do it if you didn't have like a video for the trend. Right. And I understand being addicted to the trend. Of course. Believe we me, all are. Lord knows I've been addicted to the trend for years. I don't think I've ever risked my life, though. I don't know. God. That's, that's just... That is insane, dude. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I don't know man. where you even. Where do you go with that? Where? Yeah, where do you go from that, man? Where'd you hear that? So we've had a couple of, uh, couple of actors and actresses and and uh, entertainers pass away. So we we just want to recognize uh, a fellow named Hal Holbrook who hmm. uh, passed away last week. I believe he was ninety five years old, and since the, since at least the nineteen sixties, he portrayed uh, Mark Twain, the Mark Twain character. Yeah, that Samuel Clemens, of course, made famous. And I believe he actually performed it around these parts in Peterborough, New Hampshire, um, at the Peterborough Players at one point. So uh, he was a great actor. He was um, he was in that movie All the President's Men about Nixon and Deep Throat. Uh, he played Deep Throat. Robert Redford. Ro- with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. He, he was the fellow who appeared in the trench coat in the in the parking garage. I can't tell you. You know, the Simpsons spoofed it. Yeah, I had Smithers as Deep Throat. Was like, I, can't I can't tell you. I, I can't tell you. And the headlights go on him and it's Smithers. Smithers, yeah. Trying to dox Mr. Burns. But um, Hal Holbrook was also in a couple of horror uh, flicks, uh, well, several, uh, notably The Fog, which is one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, uh, which I actually just watched, re uh, watched recently, right? like a week before he died. He played Father Malone. Um, you know, there's some parts of The Fog that are kind of cheesy, but it is overall still a very creepy um, and atmospheric horror flick, uh, especially considering it's before CGI. So. A lot of the stuff they did was was really cool for especially for the budget, um, and it was the film that you know John Carpenter made after Halloween, and uh, Hal Holbrook was great in that. He was also in uh, Creep Show, I believe, either Creep Show or Creep Show Two, and he actually was the at the time one of the oldest actors nominated for an Academy Award for the film Into the Wild. Oh yeah, with um, Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch, which was a great actually a great movie. Boy, Emil Hirsch is washed up. Yeah, he was in that Hurricane movie with Mel Gibson. That's the that's what he can he can do now. But rest in peace, Hal Holbrook. Uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy. He played Gemma's father in that show. 
Hal Holbrook? Hey, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Hal Holbrook played Gemma's father in a, in a several episode arc. And um, he actually was stationed. He was in the military during World War II. Uh, he was stationed up in Newfoundland, Canada, and he married a gal from Newfoundland. So that was a cool little bit of trivia there for you. Yeah. And uh, who else passed away recently? Larry Flint. He's passed away. We just, yeah, Ricky just told us. I was like, he was still alive? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's still alive. I don't think he was alive, but we, we owe a lot to Larry Flint, man. Yeah. His battle with Jerry Falwell is not to be, like, ignored or understated. It's just off of Legends. <sighs> who he played him? Like, was it? Woody? Yeah. I dug down in the muck, but Did, look what I found. Look what I found. Well, sounds like Mason Verger. Yeah, Cordell. Yeah, Cordell. Did you know that really Larry Flint was shot back in 1978? Yeah, yeah. He, he was, he was he either it, it had to go in a wheelchair as a result of that or was, yeah, he was paralyzed. Was, par- was injured pretty bad. Yeah, Did, it's just, Do you know why he was shot? Uh, I believe it was it had something to do with uh, with the Hustler magazine, right? Yeah. So it was this guy named uh, Joseph Paul Franklin. He was a white supremacist serial killer. Oh Jesus! What? And he didn't confess until like eight years later, and he said he did it because of an interracial photo shoot that was in Hustler. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. That's insane, dude. That's wild. Get all fucking bent out of shape over that. But if you haven't seen The People versus Larry Flint with uh, Courtney Love and. Uh, Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint. That's a great movie, and I think they go in. They go into the shooting. Um, it's interesting because Larry Flint was friends with uh, Jimmy Car- President Jimmy Carter's wife. They were friends. They had really? like the, he had like the evangelical angle going on. I think. Did he get her in, in a hustler? I don't or? think he was able to get her to pose for anything. Yeah. But it's um, not too late. He he hated Trump. Oh, did he? Yeah. In uh, in 2017, he offered a 10 million dollar reward for dirt that would have led to his impeachment. Okay, wow. I remember hearing that. Even before that, too, he was he was asking for like the names from the DC Madams Black Book, and if anybody had any dirt on any politicians, to send it his way. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So this uh, Flint scored a so he was seventy eight. Flint scored a surprising U.S. Supreme Court victory in nineteen eighty eight over the Reverend Jerry Falwell, Doctor Falwell, Doctor Falwell, who had sued him for libel after a nineteen eighty three hustler. Alcohol ad suggested Falwell had lost his virginity to his mother in an outhouse. (laughs) At the heart of the First Amendment is the recognition of the fundamental importance of the free flow of ideas and opinions on matters of public interest and concern. The freedom to speak one's mind is not only an aspect of individual liberty and thus a good motto unto itself, but it also is essential to the common quest for truth and vitality of society as a whole, the court wrote in its eight-nothing decision. Wow. So was he a smut peddler? Yes, he was. Was he also a staunch advocate for freedom of speech? He was also that. He definitely also the was. same age as our president currently. He's, uh, a, he's a big supporter of uh, gay marriage as well as uh, he was opposed to the war in 2003, the Iraq War. Very, yeah, I remember lots of hustlers at that time that I was able to get my hands on. Very anti-war. Just for the articles, right? Well, I read it for the anti-war articles. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Everything else I didn't look that at. That wasn't for the Tara Patrick uh, photo- mm. uh, photography. Yeah, uh, Tara Patrick spread. Yeah, wasn't for that. I loved, I loved Tara Patrick. Um, but yeah, yeah um, so, so, it was, so that makes sense, Ricky, because he was shot by a sniper. So that's why the guy they didn't get the guy for how long? Eight years? Yeah, said he didn't he didn't admit to it until eight years later. Wow. So he was paralyzed from the waist down and used a wheelchair the rest of his life, fought battles with drug and alcohol addiction. Man. He actually um he was actually executed. Oh wow. Lethal injection two thousand thirteen. How how many other people did that guy kill? Uh I'm not sure actually. It just says serial killer. So serial killer is what, more than three? Or Technically, what how, were they 
How do they classify? Two or three. Two or yeah, two or three or more. We'll see here. You know, if you if you uh, take out a uh, a swarm of people or a uh, a flock of people, you know what what qualifies. Yeah, the, the the Woody Harrelson was great as Flint, and that had Courtney Love in it as his wife who died a heroin. Oh yeah, yeah, she yeah. was actually really. I think she was nominated too for that yeah. film. Yeah, that was that's among Courtney Love's best work. Best work. I do need to revisit that. Yeah, he had eight convictions, twenty plus suspected. Oh wow! wow. So yep. he took out a lot oh, of people. Oh, wow. I should look at, see the mugshot, dude. Scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what he was, you know. All amped up about and worried about and, and did that with his life. His desire, yeah. his desire was to incite a race war. Hmm. Sounds like Charles Manson a little bit. Dude, he looks like Charles Manson. Maybe <laughs> another MK that's, Ultra that's bot. Not surprising. Dude, I just pulled up Marjorie Taylor Greene's Twitter, and there's a picture of Meghan McCain, and she said, "We're going to end up with Marjorie Green. Marjorie Taylor Greene as president." So then Marjorie Taylor Greene tweets, "Don't fret, Meghan McCain. Things could be worse." At least I didn't vote to spend trillions of doll- American dollars and cost thousands of American lives in the Middle East. Ooh, burn. Jesus. Burn. She's dude. got a point there. She does have a point there. She's base, dude. That is pretty based. She got stripped of all committee duties, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they. Yeah. She's like a lame duck in Congress. That's incredible, though. I'm here for that. Right. She's a lame duck within her first month <laughs> of being in there. Yeah. She's See, base. Like, like, I'm not sure. Like, I don't think that's a good precedent to set. No. I mean, I understand that she's nuts and like says all this crazy stuff, but I mean, people voted her in. Like, that's right. Yeah, that's the that's, that's the, the system we have in place. Exactly. That's the will of the Georgia voters. That's what I was saying to someone the other day. And in two years, they'll be able to vote for her again, and that will you know affect the outcome of what committees she's going to be on. Well, it's not how it works, but uh, for committees that you know that's the leadership and seniority and where you know wherever the leadership is, but. Yeah, you're as a private citizen, as someone who ran runs for office or ran for office, you're allowed to have believed in some crazy shit. Everyone is guilty of that. I'm guilty of it. You know, everyone I know is certainly guilty of it. But what can separate you from other people is if you're willing to acknowledge that you were wrong about something and that in the light of new information and new discovery on that, like a 9-11 or like the wars um, or what else was she on about? Well, the Q stuff in yeah, Parkland. I mean, yeah. that, that was pretty, that's irresponsible. Yeah, but she has a right to, to talk about that stuff and, and, and hold those views. But there's going to be blowback. There's going to be blowback. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, but my point is, you know, you should be allowed to have had views before. But as long as you recognize in light of new things and, and, and learning more about it that you were wrong and you correct course, then, you know, I, I don't think you should burn people to the ground. No, I mean it's again it's a freedom of speech thing and and uh yeah certainly the videos of her uh harassing uh the Parkland survivor there David Hogg that was yeah, David that, Hogg. that's that, brutal that's she's ugly. like falling around like a puppy yeah, dog like yelling at him yeah. that's not a good look man I'm, I don't She's support like that yeah like look okay yeah legally she has the right to do that and she can try and do that if she wants and but she just really looked like a crazy person in those videos when she was doing that and uh, right. you know it, it's one thing that Especially with the gun issue, man, people are so rabid on one way or another on that that you almost can't even have a meaningful, calm um, conversation or exchange of ideas on that. And so that's the problem with the whole gun thing in this country. You have people that are just too rigid on either side of it. Um, And, you know, that kid had his experience at Parkland surviving a school shooting. So he's coming from it based on his experience, regardless of what age he is. 
he had that experience. He had to go through that. Um, you know, the, these 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 kids got killed. Then uh, you know where she's coming from. She's she's a big you know two A person. She's a huge you know gun advocate. She loves her ARs. She loves her guns. That's where she's coming from. Those are both you know sketches of of, of people in our country. That that's that's you know. But there's there's got to be somewhere in the middle. There's got to be somewhere where you know they they can meet and we, there can be a meaningful discourse and dialogue on that because we all these school shoot, shootings that have happened we st- I don't think we've still seen we still haven't seen it yeah and you know sadly probably have not seen the last of big school shootings certainly have ceased with covid but um you know I love these like gun people who are or gung ho or like if I was there man I would have run in and protected but you would have shit your fucking pants okay you would you would have been hiding uh, behind something like so only certain people are trained for situations like that. Dude, even like the security guards and stuff they had, yeah. they were supposed to be trained to shit their pants and ran yeah. away. Like, yeah, dude, look. Like, Mike and I had a fucked up thing happen at our apartment, man. We had we had a, our neighbor accidentally fired a fucking bullet into our apartment. And that shit's got me traumatized. We weren't even home when it happened. But just the thought of a bullet coming into where you are um, can really fucking sketch you out, and it's really scary. And, um, you know, I'm not. Yeah. So there should be empathy and, and, and compassion and, you know, sympathy for people who are actual victims of, 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 you know, gun crime. Yeah. From their perspective, you know, they didn't wake up and like, oh, I want to take everyone's guns. That's not like. And and like, I'm, I'm a trained infantryman for the U.S. Army. And like, I I still get nervous around guns. I mean, I hunt, but I like personally, I don't see a need for me to own an M4. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. But. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of posturing. It's a lot of posturing, yeah. and um, you know, if if you say anything critical of it, you, you'll have the NRA people, and especially here in New Hampshire, you have all your big gun people kind of breathing down your neck. Um, but you know, we're not gun grabbers, but you know, you should be realistic about a, a piece of machinery and a tool like that, and the kind of damage that it can actually inflict on a human being. Um, you know, and what they're really used for. They're, they're used for shooting other human beings at the end of the day. And um, accidents can happen, um, you know, but and then it, of course, can also be used deliberately um, for school shootings and, uh, you know, other violent acts. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not, uh, the gun issue isn't something that I spend a lot of time talking about. But yeah, like Eric said, having a, a, a bullet fired into your bedroom three feet from your bed certainly makes you think about it. Well, yeah, and it's... <laughs> You know? and, and like one of my favorite arguments, especially right at, you know after Parkland, I was at work and I was having a conversation with one of my coworkers, and um, she's very pro Second Amendment, and you know we're just kind of talking about you know semi-automatic rifles, and she's like, well, you know, I I need it just in case the government decides to to overthrow, or if we need to protect ourselves from overzealous government, I'm like, you do realize they have like drones and tanks and microwaves. Yeah. Like acoustic weaponry. Uh, yeah. They have stuff that can read the date on a, you know, penny up from above the stratosphere. Yeah. So I, I just, I just find that funny. Yeah. And, and you know, there's statistics on, um, you know, accidents and gun deaths that occurred in, in homes and, uh, it's usually from you know misuse or improper handling or, or accidental discharge. Um, certainly, my neighbor didn't want to uh, harm us, but if we were home and I was using my bathroom, I would have been shot in the head or um, had you know glass and debris uh, injure me very badly. So I could have been walking through my room and had that happen, or using the toilet. So when you think about it in those terms, it really uh, it, it kind of <laughs> it, it brings it home a little bit, you know. So. I, yeah, it's it's like abortion. It's just one of those issues, man. And I and I'm all for having. Pe- I'll have people on here 
who are, you know, they don't want to give any leeway on that. The, of course, they're, you know, constitutionalists, which I respect. I, I totally get that. And then on the other hand, you have people who, um, you know, were involved in a, in a situation with a firearm and, and they're on the other end. And, and I'd like to have the more discussions about that. I think that's that's one way that we, especially here in New Hampshire, where it's such a hot issue. Yeah, and I, I think it kind of brings up an underlying issue that people don't want to look at is it's not necessarily taking the guns away. It's having stricter background checks. Uh, people who are getting guns in hands who shouldn't have them. Um, I, I just think it's it's way too easy. I mean, let alone the whole Prozac nation of hmm. of antidepressants with, with young adults and and just having, you know, bad thoughts and just the whole stigma around mental health that we discussed before. It's 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 a scary situation and it's it's tough when you mix all those things together. I, I just I just think a big thing is people are getting, you know, guns in their hands who may not necessarily should have them. Yeah, they sh- they shouldn't have them, and then and then if they deal with their mental health problems and and they you know they're consulting with professionals and obviously that's a private thing between them and their doctor and their healthcare professional. If they're deemed competent to have the firearm again and they go through the the, the training or the background check or whatever, you know, then then they should. You know, it's like anything else. But um, but it's yeah. I mean, here's the slippery slope though. Who's who determines who's mentally fit to handle a right. gun? I know that's see that's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, um, certainly several of these school shooters were, um, it's usually, you know, it's a young young man who's on psychotropic drugs or antidepressants or, um, you know, some kind of some kind of medication or pill like that. Uh, so, you know, it's it goes back to the individual responsibility, um, parents making sure that they're locking their guns. And, and on the other end of this, um, we all, you know, we all have friends who, who hunt and, and who are uh, veterans, or even if they didn't serve in the military, they're gun enthusiasts, and they they uh, like having them, and they like to shoot in their backyard, and that shouldn't be infringed upon. But no. when you're when you're dealing with other people, you, you have to, you know, you have to have some intelligence about that, and some situational awareness, and just think to yourself, you know, what's the best. I want to have these guns, but um, I need to keep them locked up when I'm in a small apartment and then maybe, you know, have them out at the gun range or have them on the, you know, a friend's property or a family family's property where we can safely, you know, fire these. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all. I mean, th- this experience hasn't turned me into like a gun grabber. Right. But it's it's like, come on, just show some common sense. Well, yeah. That's I, what I'm talking about. I, I think that's the big issue in, in with your experience is the, your neighbor who is handling that gun, one probably shouldn't have that hunting rifle in an 800 square foot apartment and two why is it loaded yeah don't try and pass the blame off on the gun manufacturer you you had a live round in that gun and you were dicking around with it carelessly and it went off and it, you know i was like you know forget about eric and i man what if you what if you hurt one of your kids yeah he's like well i have the gun to protect my family yeah protect them from you yeah from yourself yeah dude, dude, yeah, dude you come know, on you're not responsible enough i mean come on. that's that's just that's one-on-one when you're handling a gun man yeah and, you know, there's there's been so many cases in history, man, where a gun has gone off and killed a child or obviously just a, a regular person or someone shot themselves and it just could have been avoided. It could have been avoided, man, with some just a couple of, you know, just a, a couple of things, man, to, to safeguard or, or to just, you know, handle it properly. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not going to turn me into a gun grabber or anything like that. But, um, you know, my old man used to say nothing good ever comes out of the end of a gun and... He had to carry him and his, you know, our dad and our uncles all had to be armed and have guns. 
they grew up in the fucking hood um, in inner city Boston and Dorchester in the 60s and 70s. And, uh, you know, they certainly had guns, a very violent neighborhood, you know, violence all around, muggings. Well, they had guns pulled on them gangs. several times, Yeah, my too. dad had guns pulled on them. My uncles have had guns pulled on them. Um, and it, it, it's, a, it's a consciousness thing. You know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, situ- it's your situation, it's situational awareness, it's your environment, and it's a consciousness thing. And when you bring a gun into a situation, it changes it. it definitely, it definitely changes it. And uh, you got to be aware of that, you know? <laughs> yeah guns but yeah definitely mike i do i you know we'll get we'll get some people on who uh are on opposite sides of the coin and we can we'll have a spirited debate yeah i think people want that man we, they don't well, want people shouting that, at each other it. but we want pe- people who are passionate you know and have a you know a certain take or experience you know because there's people who are going to say well a gun saved my life and certainly sure. there's been I don't know the statistics, but there's been situations like that church last year where yeah, in what white settlement that's that's down in guess, Texas, right? Yeah, well, technically it's West Fort Worth. It was like 20 Not minutes where I used you. to live. Yeah. So you had a guy come in. There was probably 200 people in that church. Yeah. He had a guy come in. He he was able to shoot one or two people. Yeah. But there was seven other armed people who were saw what was going on, and it took one guy who I believe was the security guard for the church one shot to take that guy out. He did it right. So quick. that guy was trained. And how many people would have been killed by the shooter? Potentially, how many more people would have been killed unless that trained guy was there to stop him? So I, I see, I certainly see that side of it as well. Yeah, but you, you also got to think about, you know, the the overzealous people are like, oh, I'm trained. I'm out here to, you know, save people, and they end up, you know, shooting someone. Shooting someone. Yeah, accidentally cause more harm. Absolutely. So I mean, you, you even see it happen with police officers who are trained professionals. I mean, look at everything that's happened just in the last two years let alone everything else yeah. I mean, just just recently the gentleman i think it was ohio it just shot him yeah like, like yeah. <laughs> guns are like a religion in our country they they it really there is a religious fanaticism with guns so it's it's uh it's a delicate situation for a lot of people to to discuss and um they, yeah i don't know I don't, I don't have any answers but i think talking about it and trying to get people to look at a different perspective than their own view is certainly Certainly one way to start doing it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. The Sinner, though? Yeah, that's that's the... So that's one of the shows we've been watching. Um, you ever see that? Bill Pullman's in that. Jessica Biel. It's on Netflix. No. So there's three seasons, and uh, um, I've watched the first season, and you're almost done watching it, Eric. What do you think about it? Oh, I love it, man. I am just so... I'm engrossed in it, and uh, my my friend Alicia, she turned me on to it. She recommended it to me. She said, you know, I know you like True Detective, and the True Detective season one's a gold standard for me, and, uh, you know, big into true crime. Like, I just binged that podcast about John Wayne Gacy and these, you know, fucking killers and, and ped rings running around the country in the 70s, but um, she said you would, you would really enjoy The Sinner with Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman, and uh, I had heard, I knew you watched it a while ago. I had forgotten about it. So I started, I finished work at nine o'clock last night and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just come down for my work day and put this on. And uh, I ended up uh, binging till two thirty in the morning. Yeah. So how many episodes are there? Like eight, nine or I think ten? It was seven or eight. Yeah. And you, so yeah. you got to the. I'm almost done with it with the first season. I think I got one episode left to go, but uh, some great twists and the acting's amazing. And Jessica Biel actually produced it too. So I, I think she's been amazing in it. Her, her acting is it's just, it's awesome. It's a departure from Seventh Heaven. 
It is. <laughs> it's a little different. A little different than Seventh Heaven and Summer Catch with Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, it's, it's got a pretty good rating on IMDb, seven point nine out of ten. Uh, about eighty six thousand votes. So, oh, okay, yeah, that's not bad at all. Bill Pullman's really good in it too. Oh, as, as the de- the detective, he's Pullman's, got his quirks. Pullman's ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Maybe maybe I'll take a look at this. Oh, it's, 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 if, I think you would like if it. If you're Ricky. looking for something, yeah, and and I know uh, Rick, you and I always talk about shit not keeping our attention, and and just like not being able to like watch something. Um, this this has kept my attention and, and really like had me captivated. And interested. It's just such. I don't know. It's different. It's just. It, you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know where it's going to go, and it has a lot of the themes that you look for in these kind of series. But there's also like a different feel and a vibe for it, and different angles that I really like about it. Yeah, I'll have to take a look. I'm I'm, I'm excited for Clarice that comes out tomorrow. Oh yeah, yeah. I was reading a review. Uh, the reviewer had already watched the first three episodes, and uh, they said, you know, it's it's in terms of following the story of Silence of the Lambs, it's you know, no one's ever going to be Jodie Foster. I mean, we've already had sure. Julianne Moore portray uh, Agent Starling in uh, Hannibal, um, but you know, they 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 said that it, it's it's trying to find its own voice, and it's uh, you can't compare it to Hannibal. I don't know if you watched Hannibal, the show that ran for three seasons that uh, yeah, I tried ended back to. in twenty fifteen. Yeah, very stylized, very different uh, take on the whole um, Harris mythology. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm very excited. I mean, uh, anything. I've, we've, I mean, we watched uh, Hannibal Rising together years ago. Oh yeah, um, which was a lot better, I think, than we thought oh, yeah. it was going to be. I, I thought it was pretty good. It was. Yeah, yeah, I actually enjoyed that movie. That's right. We did watch it with Humby, didn't we? It, it, yeah, it kind of, you know, yeah, it's kind of a pre- good, good precursor. Like or- I thought origin story. It's an origins, yeah. yeah. And, and they they expand upon that a little bit in the actual the TV show Hannibal, which, uh, of course, Mads Mikkelsen plays Hannibal, and I, I think does an amazing job as Hannibal. And you were just about to do Mason Verger. Cordell. <laughs> Cordell. What do you think, Cordell? Should I get a cookie? I think it might kill you. How much? <laughs> 250000 Cordell, cut a check for $250,000. <laughs> so in a way, Agent Starling, you and Dr. Lecter became friendly. Yeah, you could say that. Well, no, don't be like that. Don't be like that. We do, we do, dude. It's twisted. You know, there's a lot of people who enjoy the Silence of the Lambs, oh, Hannibal, oh, Manhunter. Yeah. Fi- um, yeah, it's great. Red Dragon, dude. Red Dragon. Red Dragon's really good. Red Dragon's Edward dark. Man. Yeah, they they got Anthony Hopkins to look younger than he did in the original Silence of the Lambs, even though it came out like ten years later. Yeah, Red Red Dragon, Edward Norton. Yeah, really well done. It, it was really good. I, hey, anything, you know. I really want to know. Uh, oh yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> I, I, I really. Wanna know. I want to know. Are you ready to speak truthfully, Mr. Lau? And then just like, oh! he's like, yes, yes. Oh, oh. He has him taped to that chair and oh, he sets fu- him on fire. No, he's like glued to it with like schmegma. Oh. It's fucking horrifying, dude. <laughs> well, the, the, the dude who plays Voldemort plays... Uh, yeah, Ray Fiennes. Oh, yeah, yeah Ray Fiennes. <laughs> no, she's nice. Dude, to come up with all that. Thomas <sighs> Harris, for that dude to dream all that up, man. Like, well, like come on. What, that's, what's, that's a guy I want to podcast <laughs> yeah, with, Yeah, I, po- I want to do a podcast like with him, Stephen King, and Clive Barker. Fucking gay, cannibal... You know, she, weird shit. W- weird gay cannibal shit, basically, right? Is that how you'd sum it up? Yeah. Army Hammer shit. Oh, yeah. And then Anthony Hopkins is just amazing Please. In, those, uh, in those movies. Oh, yeah. I think I think he has, in the original Silence of the Lambs, he has like 11 minutes of screen time, and that's the shortest amount of screen time of any actor who actually won an Academy Award for Best Actor. It's wow. like eleven to thirteen minutes. It's not. He, it's, he's it's, great. I, I love Anthony Hopkins. Actually, one of my favorite movies that that he was in was Fracture. 
Have you seen oh Fractured? yeah, with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's, it's just so good. Oh, that's like the legal thriller, right? Yeah. yeah so I killed my wife, but did I kill my wife? And if I did, and you can't prove it, I, I'm not gonna. You know, it's like a whole. It's very like it's a yeah. mind fuck. It's kind of convoluted, but I think in the end, Ryan Gosling gets him. He does, yeah. <laughs> he ends up fucking getting the evidence and locking him up. Well, they're they're both super hubris. I mean, you, you have Ryan Gosling, who's this hubris, like, new attorney on the block. Like, he has, like, a 99% success rate. And then you, you got Anthony Hopkins here. Like, he kind of sees him coming. He kind of, like, baits him along. <laughs> He's like an architect or something, right? And, yeah. And he like shoots an, his wife. Yeah. Oh, dude, this is going to be a rewatch now. Dude, it's so good. I love it. It is a, yeah, Fracture was, I, I actually did rewatch that, like, in the last couple of years. That like reminds me of like that movie like Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I think. I'm sorry for what I did. Where the guy thinks, oh, the Edge. The how about that, the Edge. That's home. one of Anthony Hopkins' best flicks. Is the Edge? You seen that one, Rick? Um, I have not actually. Alec Baldwin oh. and Anthony Hopkins are stranded out in the wilderness in like Alaska, right? Canada or Alaska and or Alex, something. Alex, um, sleeping with with Anthony Alec Hopkins' Baldwin's supermodel wife, played by wife. Ellie McPherson. Yeah, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry. Yeah, Rosemond Pike's in there. She was in Gone Girl. Oh yeah, yeah. Did she play Ryan Gosling's wife? Or yeah. Okay. And then Anthony Hopkins made a movie, I believe, back in the '70s, where he's um, he has a ventriloquist dummy. I'm trying. I don't remember the name of that movie, but that was that was a good flick. If you've if oh, you it's guys, called Magic. People listening, if you haven't mm. seen Magic, it came out in like '78, '79. '78, yeah. '78. How do you uh, know that? <laughs> I, um, he knows it. That's a great <laughs> like, question. He's, I, I, he's like it, a. Mike's IMD database, uh, internet Mike database. I'm like a, I'm like yeah. a rain man of movies. Yeah, <laughs> 1978. Mike 1978. knows it. Oh, that, 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 that dummy's so scary. Dude, that's right a now. creepy movie. What? I watched that with my dad, and uh, he's like, "Dude, I never even heard of this fucking movie." <laughs> I, I, well, he's like, "I'm sick of uh, Anthony Hopkins. He's not really just punch the dude. He's like 60. <laughs> punch him. He, punch him out. He's an old guy. He's I not going to eat it's you." On Shutter, actually. Is it? Oh, it's, yeah. it's a good flick. It's uh, Anthony Hopkins is a. Uh, does a great job in that. And um, another thing that came out with Anthony Hopkins, well, this is more like a viral clip, but it's footage of him in the crowd watching, I think, at an Andre Ryu concert. And they perform a song that he wrote. They perform a piece of music that he wrote and kind of surprise him with him. And that's that's a really cool video. Um, but, yeah, back to Clarice. Uh, I do I do look forward to watching that as well. What about Meet Joe Black? Oh, is it another Anthony Hopkins? Is that like Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins where he, he plays, like, death. plays death? And they're like in some mansion wearing like fucking tuxedos. Death wants to date my daughter. Yeah, meet <laughs> Joe Black. You know, they got they got Brad Brad Pitt looking like he smelled a fart for two hours. You know, that's what that movie's about. Did you guys see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No. Uh, I think we've talked about this, Mike. Oh, actually, no. I, 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 I watched it. Like, I didn't get any sound. I caught most of it on the flight back, flight from, back Texas. from Texas visiting you and uh i didn't have headphones but the guy next to me was watching it so so you kind of like almost pirated from his yeah i looked i looked at his screen and i had to try to do lip reading mouth reading but i can't but it was just like you know i'm looking at it it's kind of classic you know brad's on looks hulu. good is it on hulu yeah okay put that on the list mike because I, I have you have you watched it mike all the way through i haven't no i haven't but i, I haven't heard either i heard tarantino really does a lot of tarantino-esque twists and turns with regards to the uh, to the murders. It's just so long. It's almost three hours. Jesus. Yeah, it's a commitment. It's definitely a commitment. And I started, I've been revisiting Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series. <laughs> I used to watch that as a kid with right. my sister. Allison Hannigan and Seth Green. Yeah. And uh, that, that, guy, with the, that guy with the dumb face there, Brendan, uh, 
whatever his name is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's Xander. It? Xander. Xander. Yeah. He's like been a, he's been in trouble with the law. He has had some issues. Yeah. Yeah. What's his real name? I don't. I don't remember his last Brandon name. Brandon something. Brandon something. Yeah. But yeah. It's uh. You know, you go back and look at it, you're like, wow, I was really into this when I was like 13, 14. You're like, man, this is pretty stupid. (laughs) It's good, though. It's also entertaining and it's nostalgic because the thing I love about it is none of the kids are on cell phones. Oh, yeah. I say kids, they're like 25, but, you know, none of them are there on their cell phones. Right. Angel. David Boreanaz. He's mysterious. Remember when we didn't have cell phones? Yeah. Remember remember going to the Red Sox games in high school? We go down there. We wouldn't have cell phones. We wouldn't have anything. Yeah, oh. you didn't have internet in your pocket or attached to the edge of your your hand Try, like video trying drum. to buy tickets. Yeah, we we were actually really we were there. We were at the game. We were present. We weren't thinking of being anywhere else. Yeah, we went we went down there and you get scalp tickets. You go to the ballpark. I, I miss that shit, man. Seven dollar sausage. Yeah. yeah, I think our, my last Red Sox game, Ricky, was with you and Mike and Klepto. Uh, yeah, Klepto. Yep. Twenty eighteen. Um, Summer twenty eighteen. No. Before that, I think it was seventeen. Yeah, it was probably seventeen, and um, we sat out in the bleachers. It's just so much fun, man. That was a lot of fun. It's just a fun, fun outing. We went to the Boston Beer Works. Yeah, the Beer Works. Got all the some blueberry beers. Drank all the fucking blueberries. You know, I miss that. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll get get to go to a ball game again. Who knows? Yeah, before this COVID nonsense, you know, like Eric's saying, you go whether it's a concert or a sporting event. Everyone's there on their cell phone, or they're filming it on their cell phone, but they're not even going to watch it later. It's like I know you what, paid a hundred bucks, watch the fucking event, yeah, to get your sh- eyeballs, shit ass yeah. footage on your phone that no one's going. What yeah. are you going to look at it later when you're taking a dump? Your aunt's you know? going to like it on Facebook later. <laughs> oh, that looked like fun. Yeah, I don't know. I was looking at it through my phone, so I don't know how it was. So maybe this, you know, this great reset that they're that the uh, that uh, the, the new world order talking about, Audi Bilderberg. It's going to be people getting off their cell phones, taking the uh, the little portable uh, cancer cathode ray. Taking it away from their skulls and actually enjoying these humans uh, in a live uh, live setting, live event. Infowars.com. I hope so. The, the other thing I've been watching too. One more one more thing from our media trove is this uh, docu series on HBO called The Lady in the Dale, and I have one episode left, and it's this it's this incredible true story um, about this career criminal who transitioned uh, to a woman and uh, had a whole grift going with a, a three wheel car in the early 70s and uh it's just an amazing story i don't want to give too much away but it's it's almost like a catch me if you can scenario um and there's just a lot of crazy shit that happens and and uh it's all true and there's all kinds of great archival footage and it's very entertaining and uh actually one of the uh the song at the end credits of the first episode was uh tiptoe to the gas pumps by tiny tim and of course, I messaged our friend Justin Martell when I heard that. He's like, "Oh yeah, I was part of that deal." I'm like, "Oh, of course." Oh, you Oh, was this what you yeah. were telling me of about my Elds was put on? Yeah, I was like, "Of course you were." So, and, he, and there's nothing that happens, Tiny Tim, that Justin Martell does not know about. That's incredible. So it's an entertaining show. So yeah, we recommend those shows if you guys are wanting to watch something. And oh, I, I wanted—I'm sorry—I wanted to mention one more that I really, really enjoyed um, to take a break from all the dark, you know true detective, true crime stuff, um, was a movie that's available on Netflix uh, called The Fisherman's Friends. And it's a true story uh, about these, these 10 fishermen uh, in a village in England uh, who sing, you know, sea shanties and traditional uh, Irish and, and, you know, British songs. 
uh, once a week, you know, down by the harbor when they're done fishing. And they end up signing a record contract and having a huge hit and, you know, signing a million dollar record contract. And two of the members are, uh, it's a father and son. It's just hmm. a really cool feel good story. Um, certainly some elements in the movie are, you know, were added in there for dramatic effect. But uh, yeah, uh, James Purifoy is in that, um, who was in the TV series The Following. Um, he was the original V in V for Vendetta, and he actually filmed some scenes, but he had, uh, you know, disagreements with the director, so he left before being replaced did, by did, Hugo Weaving. Did they include his body? You in can, the, yeah, some of the early scenes in V for Vendetta is actually James Purifoy in the outfit. Oh, not um, Hugo Weaving? No. But, but Hugo Weaving's in it the rest of the movie. Right? Yeah. He did, like, Hugo Weaving does a lot of the stunts, right? It's mostly him in, in the suit, and it's his voice that you hear. Um, but yeah, James Purifoy plays a uh, fisherman, and it's just very feel good. So, Fisherman's Friends, check it out. The music's good too. Yeah, diff- something different than uh, blood and gore and explosions and dark stuff. You know, we need we need some lighter stuff. What about the Illuminati eyes wide shut performance by the weekend at the Super Bowl? Is that still <laughs> is that still is that still a thing to talk about or? <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, my coworkers were talking about the toilet bowl, and I was like, Let, "Let's just be honest here. The streaker was the best part of that whole thing. <laughs> he got like eighty grand to do that. Is that true? Did he really? Like, I don't know. I read something. I heard that. Is that yeah? Can we, can we fact know. check that right now? Snopes? I don't know if it's legit or not, but I like I did read that article today that he met someone who put a prop bet on someone streaking, and like the odds were like eight hundred to one or something crazy. And long story short, he did it, and the dude won like like made like three hundred and something thousand dollars. Dude, wow, that's insane. If there was a company that wanted to, you know, have me do like a, uh, a you know, temporary tattoo, you know, would you do it on like? my back or my butt cheek, depending on what the what the payola was, <laughs> I'd think about it. Yes, yeah, so, yeah. Super Bowl streaker claims he won three hundred and seventy thousand dollars for a stunt by betting on himself. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. But I mean, can can't the bet get um, when they know that you're the one who's like. They, they, they'll, yeah, it says right here they're, they're going to refund it. Yeah, refund it, renege it. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 American exceptionalism and American capitalism, though, at its finest. No, refund, refund all losing bets. Oh, okay. And that uh, could nullify wagers connected to the premeditated stunt, which would mean they would not get paid. Yeah, right. Basically, it was an inside job, Ricky. They uh, they knew that Building Seven was going to come down. He was going to streak the field. <laughs> yeah, he he also he was um yeah he was his shirt had Vitali censored apparently it's like adult films or something interesting but yeah it says right here in uh, uh where are we? yeah in an interview he explained the whole thing during an interview saying the gambling website Bovado offered plus seven fifty odds a hundred bet pays seven hundred fifty dollars so he decided to take matters into his own hands he called up everyone he knew and had them bet on someone storming the field and he got tickets to the game and recruited a buddy to serve as a decoy Mike <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> he was like stripping too as he was running because you can't do it all at once because they're going to see you the guys yeah. on the field who, who are you know the security guards wasn't he in like a Borat though type thong outfit thing? yeah yeah look it's it's pink. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't fully naked. He should have just posed as one of the like us dancers that were with the weekend with the <laughs> bandages. Yeah. Should have just dressed like that. That yeah. was kind of creepy. That that halftime. Yeah, the mask. I, I watched that. That was that wasn't really that, that good. Was, that I, I like the weekend. He's got some great songs. That was paid for by the Chinese Communist Party to indoctrinate us. Supposedly, he put up seven million dollars of his own money for that. Really? What about just giving that money to the homeless? Yeah, or, seriously. Just hire a garage band. They'll, they'll they'll come do it, set up their instruments. and Yeah, they'll pay to go that there. That was ridiculous. That was... 
That was like it was like boring. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even watch the. I don't ever watch the toilet bowl. I didn't watch it. I don't really give a shit about it. I mean, wow, Tom Brady, he's the greatest of all time. It's so incredible. Gronk came out of retirement. He was—he wasn't in a concussion fog for a I, few minutes. I, I will say, like after like this whole COVID this past year, like sports is definitely taking a back burner for me. Like I just, oh dude. I mean, I'll, I'll always love hockey and yep. some golf, but like, I don't know. Even like leading into this whole COVID ordeal, like once the sports were gone for like at first, I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of sucks. And then after a while, I'm just like, eh, yeah, whatever. Now it's back. I'm just like, eh. You didn't right. even think about it. You know, even, not really. Yeah. You know what? You know what I do now. How much I love. I watch every Bruins game. It takes me about three minutes on Facebook the next day. Yeah, so I, get, the I watch all the highlights and I get to see all of Pasternak's goals, and I didn't have to endure and watch the whole thing and listen to fake audience noise, which fucking creeps me out. Yeah, they're actually in overtime against the Rangers. Playing right now. the Rangers. Yeah, what's the score? Two two. Two to two. But I, you know, I mean, looking at the highlights, the the Bruins are on fire, and they are playing very well from what I've seen. And, um, you know, I got my cousins up in Canada keep posting about the Maple Leafs, and I don't know how they're doing. I mean, I if it's not the Bruins, I want Joe Thornton to win his cup. I think the Maple Leafs were one of the best teams in the league, record-wise. Okay. okay. Yeah, let's, let's see. But I think Thornton got injured, though. So are, is the NHL, are they still doing like a normal – are they doing, what is it, like 80 to 90 games? Or, yeah, or do they truncate it because of the virus? or they, So they realign the divisions to cut down on travel. Um, so, like, the, the they have teams in the divisions that normally aren't. So, you have, like, a northeastern section. You have two in Canada, so they're not coming across the border. And then you have, like, one in the south. So, there's, like, a, a handful of divisions where they realign them so there's less travel. And what they're doing is normally you'd go on, like, a seven-day road trip and play four or five teams where now you go, like, say the Bruins went down to Washington – and mm-hmm. they played two games in Washington, and then they go to the next city. They go to, like, Philadelphia. So, like, Boston, like, the Bruins aren't leaving, like, a 10-hour 10, 10 radius. Right. And, and can, Canadian teams are only playing Canadian teams, right? Yep. That's that's the thing. So they'll still have the Stanley Cup in June, roughly? Probably, yeah. Finals? Yeah. Yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure they're doing a full 82-game season. Yep. Yeah, they're doing it, but they're – yeah, exactly. They're just making those changes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hockey, obviously, you know, we all grew up – being hockey fans and, and playing hockey, um, you know, the Bruins are the team I've always always rooted for. But Joe Thornton is my oldest, like, he was my first favorite hockey He's player. first crush. He was my first, yeah, man crush. Uh, to play in 56 games. Oh, 56. Okay. okay. So, sorry, I was I was mistaken. Um, but, yeah, Thornton's rookie season, 97-98, is really when I started following the Bruins and paying attention to hockey and, and getting into it. And... Um, I don't know. I just I have a nostalgic connection to Joe Thornton in his career, and he was traded to San Jose in '05 when I was a freshman at Franklin Pierce, and I remember being pretty bummed about that. Um, but yeah, the first game we went to, Mike, was the '97 '98 season against, against the Flyers. Against the Flyers, was Lindros on the ice? He was, and the Bruins won four to two, and uh, it was Anson Carter, Jason Allison, Sergey Samsonov, Joe Thornton, Rob DeMaio, Steve ba- Hines, Hines, Byron Defoe, Don Sweeney. Uh, Kenny Baumgartner. Was Pat Burns the coach? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Actually, no, he was. Yeah, Pat Burns was the coach. That was a lot of fun. We went with our dad and our and, dad's brother, and, John. And Man X, and, uh, center ice 12 rows back at TD Garden. That's a beautiful memory. Or, no, the, was it the Fleet? No, the Fleet Center was... It was still the Fleet Center. Oh, okay. Oh, it was the Fleet Center. Okay. But um, damn. Yeah, that was 20... Almost 22 years ago. 
Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, we had a lot of great memories at the Garden. And, no, and, uh, it was longer than that. 1998. Garden slash Fleet Center. 23 and, uh, years ago. We're actually, the three of us are going uh, to a comedy show in a yeah. couple of weeks down in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, this is my first live comedy show as a spectator since seeing this guy last time in uh, December of 2019. We're going to see Tim Dillon. Yep. Oh, did, wait, did you guys see him in Providence before? Yeah. Yeah. Was it the same place? Yep. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Place is sick, dude. Like, it's it's small. Gonna, it's going to be even better, too, with less people because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's nice that they're doing just private tables. Um, yeah. They only allow four people at a table, and you pretty much have to buy the table. Yep. So whether you bring four people or not, you're still... I mean, it's, it's only 100 bucks for a table. Yeah. It's it's the price. You can't beat the prices in... Pound for pound, Tim Dillon is the best working comic right now in comedy. That's that's my opinion. He's amazing. He's dude. fucking brilliant, dude. So funny. He's <laughs> his his skits just pack so much punch, dude, and he just lets it fly. He does not give a fuck. He he's he's awesome. Well, that's that's what I love about his skits too, because they're only like a minute and a half, two minutes long. <laughs> so it's not like this whole long, drawn out seven, eight, ten minute thing that you have to get through. That's really not that funny. Right. 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 No, it, it, oh God, it's so good, Mike. He's the type of comic where everything about him is funny, like from from the you know, the when you're first when you first start looking at him in, in a skit or when he's talking, you're like, oh God, this <laughs> this dude is just funny. This guy is just naturally funny. Um, you know his analysis, the way he breaks things down, um, just his his take on on stuff is is uh, is different than most comics now. Yeah, he's uh, he's very intelligent. He's very he's in brilliant with what's going on. He's well read. Yep, it's not some dude up here like kevin hart just like making jokes about whatever it's like okay it's it's funny but it's not really that funny yeah a lot of that has been done you know and and i i really in in tim dylan i see a lot of bill hicks i see a lot of george carlin um you know uh there's you know certainly comics before um who have uh you know provided social commentary like mort saul who's actually still around i think he's in his 90s uh, and Dick Gregory, those are two comics who, for their time, I mean, it, I'll tell you guys, if it weren't for those two guys, uh, you wouldn't see a lot of the information about the Kennedy assassination in public awareness because they had the courage back in the 60s to talk about this stuff. And this is like what Tim Dillon does when he goes out there. He's, you know, when we saw him, he's making everybody laugh for like an hour straight. He's like, I haven't even done my Jeffrey Epstein bit yet. <laughs> yeah, well, well and, that, and I think that's what's so great uh, to me about him is, his social commentary is it's quick. Like something happens and then within like a couple hours he, he's got something he's, fucking brilliant. He's got a lot pump like Q Shaman. Yeah, like oh. did Q Shaman so like when <laughs> when he did his bit when he's down in uh, uh Dealey Plaza. <laughs> he's wearing the Q shirt? Yeah, it was oh. just fucking unbelievable. Oh. And what I like too about what he does is and we have a similar style to Tim Dillon. I mean, we've been doing this podcast uh, way before I ever knew who Tim Dillon was. And then when I first saw him on Joe Rogan, I'm like he could almost be like the third Jackman brother. Yeah. Like he, he was, he had a copy of um, uh, Family Secrets mm. about the Bush family, and this right. is a book that I re- read like, you know, seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, oh man, I want to hear what this guy has to say. Oh, and he's a comedian. Um, so yeah, I and mean, we had Russ Baker on our podcast. We did. We had the author of that book on back in like. 2015, I think. Who wrote Family of Secrets. 2016, which is a but great... But Tim Dillon has it there with him on Rogan, and he's talking about it, and he's like kind of saying the same kind of jokes like you and I have always said about 
right, the fucking it's, it's bushes. Serious, and, but you have to be able to make light of it. And that, that's, yeah. that's what I really love about what he does because it makes it digestible for people. Um, you know, because a, a huge problem with the whole QAnon thing is they'll take a fact or a part, a, a, you know, partial truth. Tidbit, yeah. And then they'll twist it in with complete nonsense, completely unsourced, unverifiable, um, made up, you know, basically, you know, disinformation. It's either misinfo or disinfo. I, I think a lot of the Q people, a lot of the Q followers, are not intentionally putting out bad or, or wrong information. They're just, they're just they're careless. Yeah, they're and, reckless. And, and that's, you know, that's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And it's I, I, like those people who get their like news and wokeness from memes. They're just yeah. shared on the internet. <laughs> right. It, it's not even a headline hum. It's a fucking meme. Right. It's just a meme. Like our society's become so <laughs> dumbed down. Oh. It's bad. So the TikTok attention span. So when you see a guy like Tim Dillon and he's holding family secrets, that's a signal to certain people that just fucking makes our hearts swoon. <laughs> I like guns and I put them in my pussy. Oh, his Megan McCain yeah, impression. Megan McCain impression. That, that's what I show to people when I yeah, introduce that, them. That's the intro to and Tim the, Dillon. The, if they know about the Epstein case, I show them the Epstein Temple skit where he dresses up <laughs> oh, as Epstein's temple. Yeah, or when he, when he uh, right after Glenn Maxwell was was captured, his little bit. Yeah, he he dressed up as Glenn. Yeah, I've got I've got this this clutch. Hillary gave me this clutch, and me and Jeffrey were trying to save the children. We was good to the children. Yeah, it's everything. We were up there like the Hardy Boys with Burmas the day after. It was insane. We got to have Burmas on to to recap that too. Yeah, that was a uh, yeah. Glenn's uh, place was raided. Uh, Bradford, the, New Hampshire, the week of July fourth, I think. Yeah, um, almost a year to the day when Epstein was was uh, killed. Yeah, dead ish. Yeah. Killed ish. He um, was snuffed out by Mike Lindell with a my pillow. Suicide ish. He was. Mike did a great job with that hit. Yeah, that was that was interesting going up there, seeing the uh, some British reporters from New York City from the Guardian. Uh, yeah. Get, oh, is this was a fellow there, soy. There was a fellow there at the gate who had all these neck tattoos and these bulging muscles, and I didn't want to go past the gate because I thought he might kill me. Yeah. You know, but bulging our, muscles in our backyard. Yeah, forty forty five minutes from uh, Peterborough. Yeah, half uh, forty minutes. The place I believe was procured by Scott Borgensen, the uh, the hu- her husband. Yeah, Glenn's husband. Is it Borgensen or Borgeson? I don't want to get the name wrong. One of the for, two. Like for company s- out of like Boston or Terramar? something. Yeah, or, or no, that's not the name of his company. Some sort yeah, of G- ties to Boston. G Max or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he has a, had a house down at uh, Beverly or Manchester by the Sea, down in that part of Massachusetts. It's just such a small world, dude. Scott. <laughs> yeah, Scott. Burger, B O R G E R S O N. Yeah, check that guy out. Burgerson. Check that guy out and, and uh, his uh, shipping, uh, you know, routes. I mean, first of all, you're going to marry this fucking woman, Ghislaine Maxwell. Like, I'm going to marry this woman. She's going to be my wife, dude. You don't know who she is. Yeah, of course, you're in on it if you're married to her. Of yeah, course, you're and, part of it. And then you know, I actually to look into her dad too. Like, there's there's a lot of weird oh, stuff dude. going on with her dad. Yeah, Robert Maxwell was a super spy, and he he was the British publishing magnate. And he was, uh, you know, I think first and foremost loyal to Israel and the Mossad. And he ended up face down in the water uh, off the Lady Ghislaine, the yacht. Yeah, there's a couple of good books about him specifically. I mean, he was basically like the Rupert Murdoch or in competition with Rupert Murdoch in terms of like media. He owned, uh, what did he own over in England? He owned the, uh, what was the Daily it? Mail. The Daily Mail? Or he, he, he owned a lot Daily of media. Daily big, yeah. Had a lot of influence. And, uh, you know, was involved with all kinds of technological stuff. And his other children, you know, Ghislaine's siblings are involved very, very deeply with like Silicon Valley. And that's an angle of the story that we want to get into more this year on the podcast. And we, we really hope to uh, to have a journalist, author and researcher Whitney Webb come on. 
Yeah, the Daily Br- Mirror. Break down some of that for us. Six British newspapers. There's a lot of stuff with the Epstein-Ghislaine Maxwell story that the mainstream media still doesn't even go into. You know, they do a very big disservice to the whole story um, by, by being puddled deep in the coverage. So that's going. To her, she's going to trial in July. And, so. and her son is not the CEO of Robinhood. No, no. <laughs> Isn't that another thing Jim Dillon did? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Did you see like the meme under that, like the first comment? This girl's like, stop, my aunt's going to be posting about this in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. Oh, incredible. Oh, my God. Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah, we, there's a lot lot of uh, places. And Les Wexner's name is starting to yep. bubble Jean-Luc up. Jean-Luc Brunel, who got arrested bit. recently. Uh, and yeah. yeah, that's been kind of quiet, too. Jean-Luc Brunel. Yeah, and then the other fellow from Canada, too. Uh, Ny- Nygaard. Yeah. Peter Nagard, the fashion world, you know, you, you're going to come and be a model for me. Yeah, you're 14, you know, it's like like the movie Taken. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, fucking creepy. That's their game, you know, it's like that. Yeah, that's their game. And, and Trump was very, very heavily involved in that world in the 90s, 80s, I don't know. And 80s and 90s. I never saw him. I don't know, Jeffrey Epstein. So he could walk in here right now with five 11 year olds and I would literally not know them. Supposedly, um, and this is detailed in a new book coming out, I think it's called American Compromise by the same author who did Bush uh, Family of Secrets. Or no, I'm sorry, that's a different. This author's name is, I think, Craig Unger. Um, he did House of Bush, House of Saud, which is also a great uh, book and research into the Bushes' relationship with Saudi Arabia and the kingdom. Hashtag Carlisle Group. He's got a book coming out about Trump's relationship with uh, Russian oligarchs and Jeffrey Epstein. Incredible. And it sounds like Trump and Epstein's relationship went south when uh, Epstein wanted Trump's advice on a on a mansion down in Florida, and Trump went. He's like, oh, okay, we're looking at this. <laughs> Trump ended up coming in and scooping it up and buying it. Buying it. Yep. <laughs> Into the rat, rat fucking them on it, and that's where they're supposedly that's where their falling out occurred. I wasn't a big fan of Jeffrey. I, I, I met him a couple times. I, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. I just I hope we get more information on Trump's relationships with him and Clinton and everybody really. Bill Richardson. They're all in the big Bill club. Bill Richardson, you know, George Carlin. If you yeah. can hear me, they're all in the big club. You ain't in it. Yep, it's a big club. You ain't in it. I don't want to be in it. Give me a club sandwich, but I don't want to be in your fucking club. Just give me the 1400 all right? I won't talk about it anymore. Yeah, Joe. I'll file my taxes early, Joe. What do you say? Give us the 1400 infowars.com. So, you know, judging based on Biden's interview that he did before the Super Bowl, he's like, yeah, we're, not, we're probably not going to get the 15 an hour. We're probably you know, not going to get the 1400 Well, what, what are we going to get? Like, what? What are you mm. going to do? You got majority for at least the next two years? Like Who built you, the cages, Joe? They're going to get an impeachment. Oh. That's what they're going to oh, get. Oh, great. Yeah, we got the fascist yeah, that, out there that's now. that's fucking more who built important the, than who, helping the yeah. people. Who built the cages, Joe? Look, they're going to they're gonna give it to you, okay? They're going to give it to you rough like I did, but they're going to have lube, okay? That's the only difference. The Democrats are going to put a little lube on it. Yeah. It's just, nothing's going to change. It's superficial. Yeah, we got fucking t- Neera Tandon, you know? We got her. Yeah. Fuck, fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, Neratandon. You know, slandering Tulsi Gabbard. You never fucking apologized, calling her a Russian asset. Yeah, fuck you and fuck Hillary Clinton, by the way. Nice. That's all I got to say. Hillary, we hope you come on. We love you. Yeah, Hillary, come on. Give us a big smooch. Infowars.com. <laughs> Chappaqua. 
All right. Well, we love you guys. We had a lot of fun tonight. Uh, again, patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jackman Radio. If you want to become a patron, uh, like Eric said, we're asking just for five bucks a month. But if you want to give more, you know, feel free. If you find value in what we do, um, you know, we talked about Andrew Yang. You can go back onto our YouTube channel, watch a very, um, you know, slickly produced, high quality sit down conversation with him. Um, you know, we don't go on attack mode with our guests. We can disagree and have disagreements, and certainly the three of us will, you know, will from time to time. Um, but we always try to be respectful beyond the humor and the outrage uh, <laughs> to have real conversations, and yeah, that's that's part of what we're doing. It's nice. That's the feedback I'm getting from everybody. They, they enjoy, you know, the tone. Jeb wants to talk about tone. People are getting their heads chopped off, you know? Yeah, he, he, nice? Look, nice. we don't need nice right yeah. now, okay? Yeah. Dude, Jeb wants to talk about tone, Mike. Emotionally, do you miss him, like, as a yeah, as, a lot as of, someone who misses a lot an abusive of people. parent? Or, like, <laughs> how are you? Because you have been dressing as him, acting like him. For the last five plus years, like what what are you going through right now? Almost a month out. Well, as I said to our cousin Megan, um, you know he did a Donald Trump did a number on my psyche, playing him constantly for five years. You know, the better part of five years. You made your deal with the devil. It's uh, yeah, it's kind of a deal with the devil where you get these amazing gigs, you get paid all this money to entertain people and make people laugh, and you get get in the press, you go in the media, you go on TV. But yeah, after a while, man, it, it can it can take a toll on you. I think you know? I think one of the you know I don't want to say good things, but one of the, I guess positive things from COVID was you only dressed up as him in 2020 like a handful of times. Maybe? Oh yeah, a very limited amount of times compared to the previous years. Oh, you were going yeah, like almost some, there was <laughs> 2016 election. You were there was something like every week. Yeah, it was every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know Trump's not going anywhere. Um, you know I tell people my Woodbound didn't show the farewell addresses the last time I'm going to be Donald Trump. Yeah, it's a lie. That's a lie. The minute someone flashes some green yeah, or someone gives, calls. Dude, Hom, if someone flashes like a quick G note or 1500 or, you know, says we got this cool event for you, I'll be there. Yeah, you'll we'll be there. quicker than Biden will. Ah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Schumer, Kermer, Herbert, cockroaches in here, stand at the hair of my leg, corn pop, hunters in biography. Who built the cages, Joe? He's still oh, yeah. using the cages. Of course he is, but he They're put- They're called cages, though. Uh, what are they what called are they now, Hum? Shelters? Like, yeah, some, yeah, some, some, some he, sort of shelter. Humane shelter. Yeah, so we're going to get into all that. We call bullshit on the left, on the right. I yeah. mean, I'm tired of those labels. Guys, we're yeah. all human beings. We're all struggling. We're all, you know, working hard, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to take care of our families, pay our bills, you know, obey the laws. Like, that's the reality. You have more in common with your neighbor, even the one that fires a bullet <laughs> in your bedroom, than you do with the fucking millionaires, okay? <laughs> that's the real story. We shouldn't yeah. be fighting each other and attacking each other. We should try to be hashing it out, you know? Yeah. We don't need another civil war, man. I don't want that to happen. And if we can do something to, to ease that and avoid that, then I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in with us, guys. Whether you're listening to us on your way into work, your way home from work, your way, uh, your trip to visit your mistress, uh, you're going to the doctors, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. We love you. We love you. And we appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. And we'll catch you next time. 